Anybody? <laughs> good morning, everybody. How are we all doing? Good? Happy New Year. You guys are mellow. Happy New Year. All right, tell your face it's a happy new year. Uh, you can get your worship guides out, and you can follow along on version if you'd like as well. Your worship guide's in there uh, as well. And uh, before we get going on our message today, kind of a new year message, before I start a new series next week, by the way, I forgot to tell the first service this, next week we start a new series. I think it's the first time I've done a series on this, on the Holy Spirit. So uh, we'll be doing four to five weeks on the Holy Spirit starting next week. So really unpacking some of the myths and some of the mis-messaging of the Holy Spirit, really getting to see the Holy Spirit as your best friend, um, part of the Trinity, and a person, not an it. Amen? So you really get a lot out of that. I'm encouraging you to uh, not miss a week of that. Um, before I get into today, a couple quick little plugs, announcements, whatever. This is, you know, they always have this, they call it PD time. Just what do I want to say? What do I want to plug? Um, one thing I just wanted to say was the one-year Bible uh, how many of you join us on the one-year Bible? You just start the, the new year off? All right, praise God. If you haven't, get on. Get on board, okay? This is a great time to start a new habit. If you want to put God first in your life, then I encourage you to put him first in your life spiritually and see how the rest of things work out for you this year. might work out a lot better for you if he was first. One of the ways to make him first is in reading and daily devotion by reading the Word. And there are reading plans that are so um, simple and easy to follow. We happen to have one on our website, weconnect.cc. Uh, there are two options for you to pursue, and I just encourage you to, this morning, for example, the, the devotion, uh, one of the things that I can, I can pull out real quickly is Genesis chapter 11, talking about the Tower of Babel. Then it goes on to talk later on about Abraham, kind of a contrast between the two, that we're not here to build a tower, we're here to build a temple. That was really kind of the simple, if you break the whole... All the chapters we could read this morning from Psalms and Proverbs and, and uh, Genesis and the book of Matthew, it's that we're here to build a tower, not a temple. And I just want to encourage you, there's always something meaningful you can get out of reading the Word every single day. It's living and active to those who live and act on it. Amen? So get in that. If for those of you who like to uh, have it on your phone, I just want you to know, uh, follow with us for a little while so you can be tracking, you know, with where we're at. But in the in very near future, we're going to have a mobile app for our website. So all the major features that are on our website will be on a mobile application as well for WeConnect. So you'll be able to just do all that kind of stuff right on your phone. Isn't that awesome? You guys got a great church there. And then I just want to also tell you, now they get an amen. That's good. I like that. <clears throat> I want to also make kind of a fasting invitation to you. Fasting gets a bad rap. Um, I didn't successfully fast, meaning I didn't, I didn't get through whatever commitment I made, three day, one day, seven day, 21 day. I didn't have a successful fast until I was 35 years old, which I've only, so therefore I've only been fasting successfully about a year. Uh, and I'm praying fasting through the lying spirit, this particular fast. Um, but no, but it, it was just something I always struggled with. Number one, because I love food. Okay, and that was just a vice for me. Fasting has typically been, and the preoccupation is all about food. It's not just about food, which um, I'll come back to in a second. But I just struggled with that. And so I just want you to know, I know what it's like. I know the apprehensions. I know the um, kind of people give it the Heisman. You know what I mean? I, 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 no, that's good for other people. This was actually an elementary, basic, boot camp Christian thing to do. Fasting and prayer. Now it's like for the elite. It's for the super Christians. It's for like apostles and stuff. You know what I mean? 
So some people think the apostles were the men and the epistles were the women. No, it's just, it, this is, no, this is for everybody. It's an all play. Everybody say all play. So one of the reasons that you don't want to do it is because you don't know enough about it. So you just get informed. And so if you're looking for some more information, we have fasting booklets that explain at the back. We give those away. They're like a buck a piece. Take one. There's a, there's, there's a um, I don't know why that's funny. But anyway, it's free. Um, fast focus, which kind of, this is what I want you to see for the new year as we go into the new year. It kind of just kind of brings fasting into a focus. And then I get some practical information on how to make your fast successful. That's online, also on hard copy in the, in the back of the sanctuary, and I think downstairs in Guest Central as well. And then I have a fasting CD where I did a whole message. For probably out of the last 10 years, five or six out of the last 10 years, either the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the new year, I did a whole message just on prayer and fasting. So I think 2012's message is available in the lobby, if, where all the CDs are. Those are all free. If you ever come in and you see CDs there, you can take those. those are, is it, what are those there for? How do I pay for those? You know, they're free. Freely we have received, freely we give. So those CDs are down there. So you, you can walk out of here. If you don't have all your answers about fasting, you can get them. You can get them, okay? And if you need more information, I'll be here at the service up front if you want to have, ask me questions about prayer and fasting because I've become a student of the subject, and I just got to tell you, it is one of the most beneficial things you can do for yourself spiritually, emotionally, and physically, and physically. Jesus actually said this. I was reading in my Bible uh, just a couple of days ago in John chapter 14. It talks about the enemy's coming, but Jesus said, he has no power over me. He has no power over me. And then he goes on, I want the world to know that I love the Father and I do exactly what he tells me to do. In order for us to show God we love him and do what he tells us to do, he, the enemy can't have power over us. But many, but, and I was reading that and I felt like, I, like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, and, I, and I'm just pointing this back at you guys too, is can you say that, Derek? Can you say that, that the enemy has no power over you? Are there areas in your triune being, spirit, mind, and body, where the enemy has control, where you've lost control? Let me flip it. You know, my thoughts, are my thoughts out of control? Can I even focus for five minutes on what the guy is saying up front there? Or am I, my brain going towards this? Or am I thinking about my checkbook? Am I thinking about how hot that girl is? Am I thinking about the, you know, eating after church today? You understand what I'm saying? Are, 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 we, are we under control? Or is something mastering one of the parts of our trying being? The only thing that should master us is the Holy Spirit according to his word. And so to get to a place where we're, our vessel... This, this soul is pure and therefore powerful. It has to be purified. And one of the ways to purify it is to unplug from the world and plug more into the things of God. So Jesus said to, are you guys getting something out of this? This is all bonus stuff. So in Mark chapter 9, verse 19 and 29, which is what the fast focus was about, uh, Jesus is talking to his, his homies, his disciples. And the disciples are frustrated because they tried to help a young boy who was demon-possessed. And they didn't have the power to set him free. And so Jesus is frustrated with them and says, oh, unbelieving, faithless, you could say, and perverse generation. I mean, he, he basically kind of puts it right back to him. Here's your problem. You're, there's unbelief and there's perversity. Unbelief, if you took that word and you kind of put it in its simplest terms, unbelief is basically you are, you are disconnected from God. Perverse is you're too connected to the world. Fasting is simply unplugging from the world and plugging more into the things of God so that you can say, it doesn't have any power over me. Now I can love God and I can do exactly what he tells me to do. 
Does that make sense? That's what I want to invite you. When you go on this journey, and it's not just about food, although that may be your thing. For me, when I go on a fast, it's about food because I love food. And I want to love Jesus more than food, and I don't want the appetites of the flesh to control me. And so I crucify them, basically. And so I've been on a pre-fast before I went on the hardcore fast so that I'll be successful. So I've been like juicing, and I don't mean juicing. You know what I'm saying? I, I know i got to qualify that here. Uh, I've been juicing, <laughs> fresh juices and stuff for about three weeks because I know myself. I'm going to get into that fast. And I'm going to open that refrigerator door, and some things are going to be calling out by name. When I walk in the kitchen, I'm going to hear the cupboard door open. Hey, Derek, come on over here. You know what I mean? So I'm preparing myself to be successful. Does that make sense? So if you want to learn more about that, get that CD, get that booklet, get that fast focus, ask me some questions. But if you want to be powerful and overcome the areas that kind of control you, the vices and things that device are divisive in your life, prayer and fasting is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Amen? All right, today's message is called Time, and we want to make sure that it doesn't just slip away. Here's our big idea, and then I'm going to read a key text for you. This is, um, the big idea is this, that life is all about seed, time, and harvest. The key word is time, time. Life is all about seed, time, and harvest. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and following. Hopefully you guys are tracking with me. I'm reading from the NIV, and then I'm going to read from the paraphrase, uh, translation, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, kind of an interesting translation in just a second. It says, do not be deceived. Are you tracking with me out there? Talk back at me once in a while. Are you there? God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You reap what you sow. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Even if you didn't read the Bible, you've all heard of, you know what I mean? Sometimes people say it kind of like to slam somebody. You know, you reap what you sow. My wife says it sometimes correctively with the girls. She was just saying a couple, one of the, one of the girls just the other day, she was just saying, you're going to reap what you sow, whatever, one of the M's. We have three M's. Madison, Morgan, Mallory. Um, it's just, anyway, you know who you are. Um, you're going to reap what you sow. Whoever sows to please their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, let's all say at the proper time, Okay, that's a key word there in the Greek that has a particular meaning I'll come back to. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, that word opportunity is another key word, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Paul is saying, don't get weary in doing good because you can miss the moments where God is working. You can miss them. Now, the translation from Eugene Peterson says it like this, the message. This is just verse 9-ish. It says this, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we do not give up or quit. Then he says, right now. Everybody say, right now. When is the right time to do the right thing? Right now, okay? Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. And so the Apostle Paul uses this analogy of sowing and reaping. This reminds me of a text uh, in Ecclesiastes. I think we have that. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And this is just, the, there's a whole bunch to this particular uh, text, verses 1 and following. It says, but there's a time for everything, a season for everything under the sun. And it says there's a time for sowing and there's a time for reaping. And then the Bible says later, uh, earlier in Genesis chapter 8, it says that, that life is about seed, time, and, and harvest. It's a formula for life, seed, time, and harvest. But here's the thing. We get it. 
Seed time and harvest. But you know the part we really don't like is the time part. Seed, harvest. Good with that, God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want the harvest and I want it now. I want to plant it and I want to pluck it. I want to do something at 9 a.m. and at 5 p.m. I want to see the harvest from that. But there's this little thing in the middle called time. Turn to your neighbor and say time. Turn to your second choice. Say time. That's not how it works, in other words. You can't just have seed and harvest. You always have to have that little thing called time. And we can grow weary in well-doing, and we can therefore miss sometimes the moments in our harvest. I was reading an excerpt from a book called The Happiness Project by this woman named Gretchen uh, Rubin, and she was, the, the, the book is all about raising kids. And uh, you, you could do a whole series on raising kids. And we will. <laughs> at some point. But in this particular book, she, um, she makes this quote, and I tweeted it out a couple of weeks ago, but it basically says this, isn't it interesting how the days are long, but the years are short? When it comes to, ra- anybody, anybody out there, a parent, know what I'm talking about, that when it comes to raising your kids, the days are long. There's time where you're looking at this little, this little booger, and, and there's it's supposed to be a blessing, but it's a little booger, and it, and it won't go to sleep. I can remember my son when he was born. We were just talking about this the other day when kind of my little, little goddaughter was over just the other day, and we were, we were you know, talking about I remember holding Devin up, and this was my firstborn. I didn't know much back then as much as I know now about kids, but still learning a ton. But I remember holding up and just, just tell me what you want. You know, he couldn't speak. He couldn't. He still struggles to speak. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, son. He doesn't but, you know, but I'm holding him, and, and I'm just like, just, just tell me what you want. He's crying, and I'm, I just changed your diaper, and I just fed you, and I just rocked you, and I just burped you. And, you know, it just, it, it's, it seems so forever. But then at the end of a year, we're sitting around at Christmas time, and my, my wife has these memory books. What do you call your little memory book thing? Funny book. She calls it a funny book, yeah, because she, she records all these funny things about it. And we can be looking through that, and, and, or we can be looking through an album of pictures. And you look back to the year, and you, all these pictures, and you're just thinking, you know, where did the time go? It was just like in a blink. In the day, it was forever. In the year, it was like that. It was like that. The days can seem long when you're raising your kids, or frankly, anything that God has called you to do, but the years can seem very, very short. Moses said this, he said, teach us to number our days aright, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, 12. He isn't saying this, he isn't saying, teach us to know how many days we have left, so we can kind of get this thing called life all worked out right. He isn't saying, God, teach me to number my days right, so that, I can, so that I can, you know, and, and have the wisdom to know how many days by, you know, in other words, don't put a big countdown clock on the wall for me. Derek, you have 3,000, you know, 690 days left. That's not what he's talking about, some big, and every day it counts down. And you're like, okay, I'm a little bit closer, so I better get my act together. I think we'd love to have a countdown, but that's not what we all intuitively know that we're not, we're not going to know that. No man knows the day or the hour. The Son of Man will return. No man knows his last breath, but God. God the Father, all right? So he's not talking about that. He's not talking so much about a countdown clock. That's not what the scripture means. No, it's about how to count what counts so we can make the most of the time we have. 
Help me keep what matters first and foremost so I can make the most of the time that I have. How many of you here are uh, iPhone users? Which is to say, how many of you are Christians? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm going to be a little feisty this morning because I got a bad, bad cold. Uh, so iPhone users. So if you've got, I just, I don't have the i5, whatever, S. I have the i4S because somehow all my kids have the i5. Well, not all of them, but, you know, and, and two of them do. And I'm thinking, well, how did this happen? But anyway, that's another story. That's back to the booger versus blessing. And, uh, but in the, in the i5, there's a new application in the photos, and I may butcher this, but I was looking it up online, checking it out. <clears throat> and basically, there's these three categories of how your photos can be stored. You can have moments where you, kinda, you kind of can just zoom in on just a particular moment. Then you can zoom a little bit higher, and you can have what they call collections. Then you can zoom even higher, and you have like kind of the year in its entirety on your phone. A whole year. Everything that deserved or was reserved by you in your, um, what's important to you, to be documented, as valuable to you over the course of the year, you put sometimes in your picture. You take a picture. Oh, that was awesome. Look at all the push-ups I did. Oh, that was awesome. Look at this selfie. Woo! You know what I mean? I've never seen so many selfies in my entire life. That's another message. I'm going to do a series on selfies. Seriously. Seriously, I'm going to do a message on that. It's going to be ugly. Uh, that's going to be the motto. <laughs> anyway, I got to get back to it. So, I'm, I, you, can, you have these pictures, you know, and you can, you can zoom in on these different experiences, but you can put a whole year on a page on your iPhone. Everything that you thought was reserved or should be documented as important to you can be reduced to a thumbnail. And you can't see the moments clearly in that particular view from a year. You understand? The moments get lost in the year. But if you can zoom on down, then would you have to go to kind of layers to be able to do that. Now the moment comes big to you. It comes alive to you. Why am I telling you this? I tell you this because if you, you know, if you have one of these phones, you know what I'm talking about. But each one of these pics was so, it was so important to you as it went through, but it can get lost. The moments get lost in the collections. They get lost in the year. And the perspective changes when you see it. If you zoom out, you know, it can get lost. And what's weird is that you could zoom out on real life. If you could do that in real life like you can on your phone, it might help you because when you're in the moment, it often feels like the moment will never end. It's just going to go on and on forever. But when you look at it against the backdrop of a year, sometimes you can't even find that moment on your phone or in life. And we need Moses is saying we need to number our years aright. We need to have a perspective on time and moments in time. My son was talking about this at uh, the dinner table a couple of nights ago. Um, we were just sharing, you know, a tradition. One of the traditions of the Fry household is we always are going to have a new tradition. <laughs> Stacy and my, my daughter Mallory are the most, like, we got to change all the time. You know, so what's going to be our new tradition? So our new tradition Devin introduced was we're going to have a memory jar. And he's already got stored up three or four memories, and Madison's going to make a memory jar, and then we're going to keep these different memories, these moments in time that we kind of collect, and then at either New Year's or Christmas Eve, we're going to read those and reflect back on the years. Isn't that a kind of a cool idea? And so 
there's this tendency for us sometimes not to savor these moments. And we can see from God's word that, he, that the perspective he has on time is really critical. How can we keep perspective that I need to begin, in other words, with the end in mind and make the most of every moment? I'm going somewhere, so hang on with all these different illustrations, all right? But I want you to be able to see with the end in mind so you can make the most of the moments. Because the days seem long, but the years sometimes seem short. I can remember people in early years of my ministry when I was a pastor, they would come up to me and um, they'd want to share their advice or they want to even preach to me a little bit after a sermon because I always introduce illustrations about my kids and, and stories about my kids and family life and stuff like that. They'd want to preach to me a little bit, either to return the favor or punish me back for all the ways that I spoke, I don't know, to them perhaps, I don't know. But they'd always say something like, you know, cherish every moment because it goes by, you know, so quickly. And, uh, and I'm starting to get it, but I need to get it better. And I think, I think we need to savor the moments and make the most of the moments that we have, don't you? Especially as we start a new year in 2014, we don't waste years. We don't waste weeks and months. We don't waste days. We don't waste moments. But how do we make the most of time? I want to give you two words regarding time that are in the Bible because you have to kind of unpack the English language and look at the original language to understand these words on time. They're two Greek words. going to make you feel a little smart today, and you can go brag to your friends. I learned two Greek words, but here they are. Hang on. Don't get freak out on me when I start using Greek words. It'll help you, okay? So here's two words I want to unpack for you. The first one is the word chronos. Everybody say chronos. Chronos. It refers to sequential time or chronological time. It really refers, like clock time, minutes. What time is it? It's, you know, half past the hour. He was 30 minutes late. How many more minutes before this message is over? You know, the chronos. Is everybody tracking with me? Chronos is quantitative. It's measured. It's measured by minutes. Moments are measured in minutes. And we all have the same amount of chronos, 1,000, I think, 140 minutes a day that we all have. It doesn't matter if you're the Pope, the President, or the most productive person on the planet. We all have the same amount of moments, same amount of minutes in a day. Now, kairos, the second word, K-A-I-R-O-S, it was misspelled, uh, I think, in your outline. I apologize for that. It's my fault. Kairos, <coughs> it refers to, but it's not exclusive to, the right or opportune time or moment. The right time the right or most opportune time or moment. That shot came at just the right moment. That was just, it was like, it couldn't have come at a more perfect time. That phone call came at the perfect time. Kairos is a special time. It's a time when God shows up in a remarkable way. It's, the, it's, a, it's a supreme moment. It's, it's when God breaks through Kronos into the daily affairs of our life as human beings. In Romans chapter 5 or 6, it's not in your notes, but it basically says this. You see, at just the right time, charis, or kairos, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God did that for you and for me. We, we know an example of kairos was when Jesus was baptized. God the Father spoke from heaven in a dove. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came down upon Jesus. That was a kairos moment. Everybody tracking with me out there, okay? We all have the same amount of chronos, but kairos is when God breaks through the chronos and shows himself in the daily affairs of people. 
How many of you would like to have or live in the Kairos zone at some level where God gets involved in your daily life and your affairs and your experiences and, and helps you and helps you mitigate and navigate all the messed up, cursed stuff that we're dealing with every single day? We all want more moments like that. We want to be able to say like Jacob, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And so that's kind of the Greek. Let me give you the English word for this. When I was in college, it was probably the first time I recognized this word being used. It's very simple, but I, I, didn't, I didn't get it so much then as I do now. But I remember a girl coming out of a, we had this a church for students called Vespers. And she came out of Vespers service and she'd, something had happened to her. And she, said, and she came over to me and she kind of grabbed me and she goes, I just had a God moment. Can I tell you about it? And she proceeded to unpack like this story, a God moment moment. It's kind of more the English version. So I'm going to make Kairos and God moment kind of an interchangeable thing. And then I'll give you an example uh, that was more personal to me. I can remember with my family in 2011 with my two youngest kids, uh, Madison and Morgan, and my wife and I, we were going on vacation to the Bahamas, suffering for Jesus. And it was a big deal. For us to be able to go to the Bahamas was a huge, huge deal. We were so blessed and so privileged to be able to do so. Uh, long story behind all of that, but uh, you know how you build up for a vacation. Kids count down, X out their calendars, you know what I mean? It's like it, you talk about it weeks before at the dinner table. It's a big deal. So we finally get ready to go. We head off to the airport. We get to the airport at like 6 in the morning or something like that, get in the line to, to you know, un, you know put your, do your bags and check in, and our flight is gone. Uh, you know, immediately you kind of have that, panic, you know, button right there in front of you, just waiting to slam it. For some reason, we were a little startled, no doubt about it. My kids are like, oh my gosh, what's this mean? They're asking, you know, when they ask a million questions at the worst time possible, like, do you think I have the answers right now? I just heard it like you. I want to be, be quiet. <laughs> but we're processing all that. And so, my wife and I, she's, my wife's very logical. She's just kind of come to me and, you know, I'll tell you what, what, what happened. And basically there was a miscommunication from the airline where they changed the flight time where it was going to leave earlier. We never got that email. I have an assistant that kind of filters some of that stuff. She never got it. I'm calling her, Gretchen, I'll have your head. You know, <laughs> she's not picking up. It's too early. I am, you know, hanging on, just hanging on by a thread, getting ready to hit tilt. And just kind of get calm, like, okay, 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 we get calm, we talk, my wife and I are pretty good in crisis, and she's like, you know, we could just, you know, do the change of flight thing, come back tomorrow, pay whatever that fee is, the kids lose a day on vacation, give them a few extra bucks, you know what I mean, you know, when we get down there, we'll still save money in the long run, blah, 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 it all made sense. I said, you know what, let's just go over to this line and check out what it costs to get on another airline and get on a flight, if there's even one available. We go to JetBlue, which Jesus flies JetBlue, and we're waiting in the line there, and this is the truth. This is the truth. I had kind of a Kairos moment. I just felt like God said, it's going to be okay. Book the flights. Don't worry about the money. I want you to go on this vacation. And, so, and she's kind of telling me and looking at me like, you really want to do this? Because it's going to cost. You have a credit card. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so we end up booking the flights, getting on the plane. We go to, we go to the Bahamas. We get to the Bahamas, turn on the TV. And the biggest storm, I think in October history, hit this area in 2011. I mean, it was massive. We had no church that weekend, so I didn't miss church. You didn't miss church. Everybody missed church. Um, we, um, we were just wiped out. And all the flights that would have gone out that day weren't going out till Monday. 
So I was like, whoop, whoop. Everybody's like singing a worshiping, you know. It was another Kairos moment, okay? Now you can say, well, that was just chance or that was just, you know, serendipity or that was just whatever you want. You can be stupid if you want to. I believe, I told you I was feisty this morning. I, you have a right for that. But I believe that was more than coincidence. That wasn't some quinky dink. That was the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me, and I responded. That was a Kairos moment for me. Are you tracking? I heard, just contrast, I heard, I won't give you that one now, but I can, have you ever had a Kairos moment? Anybody out there? <clears throat> you know, a Kairos moment where God kind of interrupts your situation. He gets involved in what's going on. I heard about Nelson Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, this movie that's going to be coming out. The, the premiere of that movie, of all the things that he's gone through for, in South Africa and the apartheid, all the things that he represented, the, the night of his premiere, his kids are at the movie theater. Uh, William and Kate are there. He dies. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that some of his friends were praying that when that movie came out, that his long road would come to an end so he could just be free of all this and be done. Like, this would be the beginning of the end, so to speak, for him. And yet, that night, he dies. It's just kind of a different kairos. And it doesn't have to be, my point is this, is, is it doesn't have to be some royal premiere thing or some huge unpredictable storm that was averted. It may be you got a text when you were getting ready to make the worst decision possible. Uh, I can tell you some crazy stories, but there are people in this room that it affected, where God intervened and like got involved and he used our technology to communicate something. You got a text at just the right moment, or you got a voicemail, a phone call, or an email, or a check came in the mail, or something that you needed that it was unexpected. Are you following me out there? Yeah. And it's just sometimes awesome to know that God is watching you and paying attention to you and can break through everything that's going on in your life to let you know he knows. Isn't it awesome? And I, I have a God that sometimes answers prayers right down to the dollar, right down to the minute, in the moment, situations, and sometimes I think he's fashionably late, but he's not really late. He's right on time. He just want to let everybody know he's arrived. And so God is on a different time schedule because God doesn't live in Kronos. God lives in Kairos. And so when you live in Kairos, when you look back, you understand Kronos better through the lens of Kairos. So when I'm in Kronos, I say, Where, why weren't you here right then? Why didn't you come here right now? And, nah, 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 nah. and then when I see when he shows up and he does what he does, I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, I should have had a V8 or it's a eureka moment. It's an aha moment. I get it. I get it. I get it because he lives in Kairos and I live in Kronos. Is anybody tracking with me out there? Okay, now let me make a contrasting point because I'm going somewhere still. What if the phrase God moment or Kairos moment could be doing some harm in some way? Well, indirectly, because if I was God, and I'm not, I'm far from it, let me declare that, and I create a time, and I hear some people say something to the effect that God is, God is he's in moments, that God, he has, he's in these certain moments, these kairos moments, but he's not in the other aspects of time, that would frustrate me a bit. In other words, is God only cool in the kairos moments? Or is he in all the moments under heaven and in between? In other words, I think this is in your notes, all time is God's time. Don't limit God with our limits. 
every moment can be a God moment if you're willing to see him and find him in the moment. This is what I want to say to you, Connect Community Church, as you go forward in 2014, is if you're willing to see God and find God in the moment, he can be in your moments, all of them. And I appreciate the sentiments of God moments with, you know, I saw him in the rainbow, and I saw him when we averted that storm, and I saw him when he's in the text, and I, and I heard him through the song that came to me when I was riding along this ocean front. And maybe, maybe God is thinking when all that is happening, oh, so I only have moments? Son, sir, man, boy, girl, how can I schedule one of these moments with you, Derek? Do I need to talk to Gretchen? In other words, you know, when I go to a church to preach someplace else, I realize that I'm preaching on somebody else's time. It changes the way I think about time. I steward time. I live time. I monitor time differently. Or when you and I wake up in the morning, this is perhaps how it should be, and we look at the world that God has made, where he said originally, uh, when he was looking into the darkness, let there be light. And the light was, and he called it evening and morning the first day. See, God made days, and he made weeks, and he made months, and he made years, and he collected all those things and multiplied all those things. God is the God of all time. And one day we'll look back at our life, and we're going to have to give an account of all of our time, not just certain moments. And when that happens, it's not just going to be the Kairos things. And when I was standing in line at JetBlue, it's going to be all time. And God will want you to know what he's, he's, he's saying, what are, you, what are you going to be able to say? What's your answer to what did you do with the time that I gave you? It won't just be about those rainbow days and songs on the radio and royal premieres and all the things you thought was so cool. He's God of all time. And I believe every moment has the potential to be a God moment if you want to find God in the moment. Now, I want to try to communicate something to you, and it's going to go kind of rapid fire, and you're going to have to be super focused. So I'm praying for you, and I'm asking you to pray for me, okay? I want to teach you how to be a time traveler. Fire up the DeLorean. Okay? We're going back to the future to be able to go forward, okay? All right, so how can we be a better time traveler? Four ways to do that. Number one is time is essential to the formula. Time. I'm talking about TikTok time. Life is mostly sowing and very little reaping. That's why Paul says, don't get weary and well-doing, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we keep planting seed. I read a commentary by Eugene Peterson on this scripture, Galatians. Not a commentary on his paraphrase, just for clarification. A commentary on the scripture. And this is the short summary of what he said about Genesis 8.22 and Galatians 6. He said, Everything is seed, and all of it will come to harvest. He said decisions are seed, acts are seed, thoughts are seed, prayers are seed, and all of it will come to harvest. The person who looks for quick results from planting seed will be disappointed. Mm. If I want potatoes for tomorrow night's dinner, it'll do me little good to go out and plant potatoes today. This is huge. Listen to this. Long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence separate planting from reaping. Then he says this. He says, it's nothing nothing really profound. He says, seed, time, 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 chronos, 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 time, time. Say, it's getting annoying. I know. 
So is waiting. Waiting's annoying. Seed, and then some time, and some time, and some time, and some time, and then harvest. Number two. So time is critical, essential to the formula. Number two, the harvest is inevitable, but growth is invisible. Growth is hidden in chronos. Therefore, you have to be patient and you have to persevere while you wait for the promises in your life, where you wait for things to be fulfilled and change in your life. And God gives us encouragement in this key text today to those looking at chronos and says, I want you to come over into my time zone, the way I look at time. I want you to develop a spirit of patient perseverance. As you go into 2014, patiently persevere. Can I have an amen out there? I need you, God's saying, I need you to trust me in the chronos and to recognize me in the kairos. Number three, but sometimes we miss the kairos because it's dressed like chronos. Sometimes we miss it because it's dressed like chronos. Another word to say this is often the miraculous is disguised in the mundane. We miss the tree because it's dressed like a seed. We don't, I know this sounds kind of deep, but I'll try to unpack it with less analogy as we go forward. But I, I, this, is, this is what happened, big picture, in the heavenlies. God the Father sent his son down here to earth. He opened up the heavens through the work of his son to live a life perfect on earth, to die, to pay for our sin. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. And then he was resurrected so that we could, have, we could overcome in this life. He had to overcome death in the grave, everything, all right? But this is what happened. When Jesus did all that, he put every moment in time back on the market to be redeemable. Every moment that was messed up, screwed up, sidetracked and sidelined now can be redeemed. Romans 8.28 says he works all things together for... This is what that scripture is about. It's related to time. He works all things together for good to them that are called and love God and are called according to his purpose. He can... This is the formula. Time, all right? But then Kairos in every moment, he can take all those moments and work them together for good. He can redeem them, but they had to be bought back first. And Jesus did that for you and for me. That's what's so good. I put every moment on the market back for you to redeem it and turn it into God moments. So things that were meant for harm, things that meant to destroy you. I mean, there's, my whole life would be destroyed if it wasn't for what Jesus did and accepting what he did and seeing God in the moments of my life. Now, because of Jesus, number four, you can create and not just wait for Kairos. You can create it, not just wait for it. Do you get this? In other words, you don't have to, you don't, ladies, when you're shopping, you don't have to wait for God to give you the best parking place. And, oh, God must not be here because I didn't get a front row today. So, you know, God's not here. Well, maybe, it's, maybe the, the Kairos for you is going to look different. Maybe, he, no, God's got me at the back row on purpose because he's going to teach me something in the Kronos. While I'm walking, maybe I need to do a little jogging this year from here to the front door of the mall. And I'm going to worship my way from my car all the way to the front door of that mall. Are you tracking with me? Maybe that's what he's wanting you to do, to recognize and respond to the opportunity that he's put in front of you. How do you do that? Because if you miss the moment, you might miss the miracle. 
The story I'm about to tell you, uh, God showed me many years ago in my Christian walk and kind of how he wanted to get involved in our lives and our daily growth. And the first time I ever successfully fasted, and it really wasn't very successful, it was about seven days. I had made a 21-day commitment. I was on day seven. I think God knew that's about how far he's going to go. And I was at ORU, and I went every single day. I, I, what I wanted from God, and I think many of you want this, may not know how to declare it or articulate it, but as I wanted a direct message from God, I wanted to know he's real. He knows what my plan and purpose is for my life. He can kind of help me with some questions that I have some big things that are going on in terms of my direction. I needed to hear from God. And so I determined to go on a fast. So I dedicated my body, my time, my energy. At a certain point every day, I went to this place to pray. And there was this parking lot called Upper Lot. And behind Upper Lot were these trees, these massive willow trees, huge. Underneath these willow trees, you could get underneath them. And there were these two stumps two trees that got cut off. And I would go there every single day and I would sit on one stump and I would wait to talk to God and believe that he was sitting on the other stump. You say, that's crazy. I know. That's, that's how crazy sometimes, it, 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 that's what it takes sometimes to connect with God. The test of desire is pursuit. So I pursue God. I go there every single day for seven days. And, and I prayed and I talked to God. And you know what I heard? And you know what I felt? And you know what I experienced? Nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then one day, approximately the seventh day, I got an invitation from one of my friends to go to a service at the Maybe Center there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is 1988. Wow. And way back. And I go with the girl that I'm dating at the time. My father just so happens to be in town. It was really unusual. It's another whole story with that. We go to this particular meeting with this preacher speaking. His name's Carlton Pearson. And there were eight or 9,000 people in this auditorium. And at some point in the middle of the service, this pastor calls, calls the band to halt and stops. And he points his finger up into the crowd. He says, you young man with the maroon shirt and the blue tie, I want you to come down here. God has a word for you. And as, as, as I'm, I'm like, duh, duh, duh. me, and I figure out it's me. And as I get out of my seat, cameras are rolling, you know, right up in my face as I'm coming down. You know, it's a big, it's a big meeting. It's a big deal. I'm not going to give you all the details. It's unbelievable. And I get down there, and this, this pastor, we call it reading your mail. He read my mail. It was as if he was sitting right on that stump. Listen to every word I said and recorded it. I thought God was not listening. I thought God hadn't heard me. I thought God wasn't there. The truth is he was there the entire time, listening to everything I said. And he wanted to encourage me in the most profound and personal and powerful way he could. And that's exactly what he did. It was a Kairos moment for me. And it can never be taken away. And that's more I can say about it than possibly could be expressed in this. But here's the contrast that I want to make. It's amazing how God could do something like that for you, for me maybe, sometime, somewhere, someday, perhaps. Yet the chances of God doing that here or in that meeting for every person, that meeting would have gone on forever if he did that for every person that day. Even in this meeting right here, if God was to call you out and speak something to you that you've been praying for, something that you've been wanting to, God to say to you, it's not going to happen like that. In other words, 
He won't do that for every person with a message or a personal prophecy or something like that. For me, it was an awesome moment. It was absolutely amazing. But if you wait, and I wait for those moments to be encouraged and do the right thing, if you wait for God to speak to you that way, you'll miss the moment you're praying for by waiting for it. I don't know if you guys are getting this. In other words, God is saying, you're praying He's saying, you're praying for me to show you something, and I'm praying you will sow something. You're praying that I'll reveal, and I'll just pop in here, and I'll pop in there, and I'll do whatever you want. I'm praying you'll sow something. You will continue to sow. Because I want to be in the chronos and bring kairos into your chronos. Sow it into the soil, good soil. I hope you know what good soil is. You should know what good soil is if you've been here any amount of time. But think about this. What do you see when the seed is in the soil? Just think about that literally. Nothing. Nothing. God doesn't want you. Why? Because God doesn't want you to trust in the seed. He wants you to trust in him. Hear me strong on this, you guys. Check this out. You might not have a preacher call you out from a crowd one day or have some, or, or, or you might not have just some Kairos thing that somebody else had, tailor-made for you. But you have a standing invitation. He might not sit right down next to you and talk to you directly. He might not call you, but you have a standing invitation to sit right down next to him anytime. Stump to stump and have a conversation with him. You have a standing invitation to invite him into your situation at any time and say, God, as you begin to pray and fast, I need you right now in my life with what's going on in my situation, in my circumstances. The Bible says when we have, when, when our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence before God and boldness before God, and we can go before him with that boldness and that grace, and we can have our own Kairos moment. And you can open your, your Bible and you can ask him for a word. And it might not come with lights or angelic visitations behind it. It might not come with your name and a bow in it. It might not come with a verse that corresponds with your birthday, but it's still God. What if the spirit is in you? Then God is in this moment and he can bless it and it can be a kairos for you. You can create it. You don't wait for God to break through. You must and you can break through yourself. If you want a God moment, you make one. If you want to feel his presence, you worship him. If you want him to speak to you, open his word and you seek him. He was there in the beginning. He'll be there in the end. And every minute can be a miracle if you invite God into it. And he may not call you maybe the way he called me or called somebody else, but he's still calling you. And back in the day, they had like in the Old Testament, it was about visitation. Everything had to be a shazam and a wham. It had to be fire by night and a cloud by day. But we live in a day in the New Testament and beyond, which is habitation, that God inhabits the praises of his people. And if people begin to seek him, he'll come and hang out and unpack himself and he'll rest. He'll, he'll make a place for his glory to dwell, the Bible says. It's a different day that we live in. How do I create moments in my life? We have to recognize and respond to them. But what's the motivation for all of it? Because if you miss the moments, you can miss miracles in your life. Because life is not about cram, pardon the crassness of this, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it's not about cramming more crap into your day. It's not getting more devices that you can sync up so you can get more done. That's not what life is all about. This is, this, that whole idea is living under a spirit of emergency and it bypasses or short circuits divine opportunity when we live like that. 
And God doesn't design you to figure out, how can I fit more into my day? No, he puts you here so you can see how much God you can get out of all the moments he's given you. Are you guys getting something out of this? I don't know. I'm going to preach myself silly if I have to. You got to buy back every minute. You got to redeem the time. Ephesians 5 says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil. I was um, sleeping last night and I woke up in the night. This may seem weird. This whole message may seem weird to somebody. I don't know. But um, I, was, I was looking at some of the watches that I had. I was thinking about them. And this would be peculiar at first, but I've got a lot of watches. These are just some of the watches that I have. Like Jesus, help this man. This isn't all of them, just so you know. All right? And every one of these watches has a story. Um, every single watch that I have, I just realized this, every timepiece I have in my possession was a gift. I didn't buy one of these watches. They're all gifts to me with a story behind every single one of them. And uh, some people love me, just, you know, bought a nice watch. This, this was, I think, for my birthday. Um, this is my installation. Some people call it my incarceration. Uh, Every one of them has a story. And I was telling God, I, you know, I realized that every time piece I have was a gift. And, and, and I care for and steward. I love watches, okay? I'll just be honest with you, too. I think God you know, gives you the desires of your heart, I guess, those that delight themselves in the Lord. So I'm 37.4. So it's just funny how you get something that you, that you like. But anyway, I'm stewarding it, and, and I take care of it, and, and I wear them well, let's just say. Some of them are nice, and some of them are not that expensive. There's nothing special about them. But... Um, when I was telling God, every timepiece was a gift. And he said, you know what, son? Every bit of time that I've given you is a gift. It's all a gift. But some people don't wear it well. Some people don't steward it that well. Some people just, you just put it in a drawer. Some people just get it all banged up. They don't, they don't savor what they've been given. In the new year, I want to help you redeem the time and take back what, you know, the Bible says the locust and the canker worm have stolen and what the enemy has robbed you of, and what unhealthy choices have cheated you from. Jesus bought all that time back so you could redeem it, make the most of it. And so how that translates, when you go to work tomorrow, in your car, you can have a Kairos moment. You might have a 40-minute commute, and that commute's always been a commute from hell. You can put a worship CD in, and you can invite God into your situation, and it can be the commute from heaven. You understand there's just these different places where you're sometimes waiting for God to intervene. You're waiting for him to show up and he's waiting for you to sew up. We stand your feet and let me pray for you today. I hope you guys got something out of this. I don't know if any of it makes sense. <laughs> what watch was I wearing? Praise the Lord. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> Lord, sometimes we, uh, we miss the moments because we're, we despise the mundane. We're starting a new year. We have a whole year ahead of us, many moments. We say things like, if only I had more chronos. You got all the chronos you're going to get, buddy. You get this opportunity again to make the most of the chronos, thereby turning it into kairos, knowing that you'll reap 
the Bible says, if you do not faint and you do not give up, you will not faint and you will reap if you do not give up. In accordance with Luke 18:1, I pray and never give up. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would just have that mentality that the time they've been given cannot be wasted. And that you want to be a part of every minute because you're the God of all time. And I thank you, Jesus, for coming into our life, into this crazy nuts world, and all the mess that, that's going on all around us. And you gave us a way to redeem every moment and to make the most of it. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my life, into the life of this church, into the life of the people that are here that by faith receive, that they need more of you in their life. Would you change our perspective on time so it doesn't just slip away in Jesus' name? If there's a person here in this room and came here and you're just like, I can't leave and I can't leave yet. There's just something not finished, something not done. I can think of no better opportunity to give you than to start not only your new year, but your new life by knowing Jesus. And this is if you've never done this before. If you've been here before and you've done this, this doesn't apply to you. That's settled. It's settled. But if you've never done this before, you've never invited Jesus into your life and you want to know him personally, you can settle that right now on earth for eternity by just accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago, acknowledging that he's your God and your Savior. You can't save yourself and just praying with me. And if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I don't, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. If that's you, God bless you, brother. Is there anybody else? All the way in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your faith and your boldness. I don't want to miss it. Am I missing anybody? Good hand so I can, high so I can see you. Thank you, Jesus. Church, would you pray this with me? And those that raise your hand, would you pray with me? I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. This is going to invite Jesus into your life. Say, Jesus, I decide today to put you first. I take this time right now to put first things first. You, Lord, are my Savior. From this day forward, I give you my life. Help me in all my decisions and everything that's going on. I put my trust in you. I transfer my works to your finished work. I transfer my belief in myself to belief in what you did. And belief in you. Save me in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you seal that prayer in Jesus' name. And I pray they give away what God has given them, that something happened on the inside of them that's been ignited because of that prayer of faith. I thank you, Lord, that another sinner's come home. Another one's name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the angels in heaven rejoice because that has happened right now in Jesus' name. Can you all give me a, a, a big shout and an amen? And let's praise the Lord for that. Amen, amen.